Psalm 92. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you made me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in Him. That was Psalm 92, verses 1 through 4, and verses 12 through 15. Come without money, come without price. Jesus has made a great sacrifice. Glad He suffered our Calvary. In a great cause, salvation is free. Here's his cause, so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come unto me. Here's his cause, so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come. Seek the Lord while he may be found. He in grace and truth doth abound. Call upon him while he is near, thy soul shall live if him thou dost hear. Here's his call so tenderly, incline thine ear and come unto me. Here's his call so tenderly, incline thine ear and come. Why do you tell me out in the cold? from sin, hears his call so tenderly, incline thy ear and come unto me, hears his call so tenderly, incline thy ear and come. Why do you wait, why linger so long, prepare to enjoy that heavenly throne? be closed, sad it will be to find no repose, hear his call so tenderly, incline thine ear and come unto me, hear his call so tenderly, incline thine ear and come. Psalm 92 is one of these psalms that the psalmist is just praising God, praising God for what he has done. Like what verse four talks about is, for you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. And today that's what we're really gonna be focusing on is what God does. Now, part of this, of course, is going to be in our salvation process in the sense of what God has done in order to save us. But really even more importantly than that, we're going to be looking at this growth that takes place. We're going to see a lot of images that are used that are talking about plants. That's why here in verses 12 through 15, we see like palm tree mentioned, the cedars of Lebanon are mentioned, and other types of, of, 
vegetables and fruits and, and different trees are going to be uh, mentioned throughout today in, in these passages that we will look at from the Old Testament and the New. They're all pointing to what our God does and the deeds that he himself does. Another way of stating it, the kingdom of God is like a growing plant. And we're going to actually look at two different parables from Mark chapter 4 on how the kingdom of God is like a growing plant. And we're going to notice kind of a, I guess you might even say, two different plants and how the kingdom is like those and what we can learn about that. And it's all very important here. And we need to see what Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God, both during his day, but also I think it's important to understand what these parables say about the kingdom of God today as well. So the kingdom of God is like a growing plant. Let's actually read it from the words of Jesus. In Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, this is Jesus speaking, and we read, He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Now see, this goes back to the same types of things that we see uh, from Psalm 91. You know, we see here in verse 27 that he doesn't know how these plants grow. Well, he does. And we know. We know that just like in Psalm 92, we saw that God was the one that was praised because of his deeds, the things that he does. See, someone who plants a plant, uh, they can't really make it grow. And it's really amazing to watch one grow. Uh, my family has kind of had this, this wonderful opportunity that we decided we were going to do a, a little garden of our own. And we've got some raised flower beds and stuff that, that we planted some, uh, some different uh, vegetables in them and some different flowers as well, just, you know, to look pretty. But we started these off as seeds and our kids, our little kids, they love seeing the, the seeds just kind of grow. And it, it was just, it was amazing because really I can't help but think about this, this visual illustration of this parable right here is when you plant a seed and you just kind of watch it just sprout and grow. It's just, it's amazing because it looks like one day it wasn't there. And then the next day it just, it is. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we started those seeds off inside of our house, but obviously you can only do that for so long. And, you know, now we moved them outside, but we got to see that and kind of watch it on a daily basis. In fact, we would even watch it throughout the day and notice that growth. That's what Jesus is talking about. That type of growth that we can only attribute to God's hand himself. Now, uh, I kind of have another illustration that I think goes hand in hand with this because, you know, sometimes people... They can look around uh, at the world in which we live and they can say, you know, I, I don't necessarily see God here or there, um, but yet I would, I would want to point to you uh, the, the fact that God is always in our midst and God is the one who is keeping everything about our entire universe continuously running. Uh, let me give you an illustration. I'm going to use a piece of paper right here. It's a, it's a green piece of paper. And this paper is going to help me to tell a story about this man. A man went in search for God, and he decided he was going to search all over the place for God. 
The first thing that he did was he got on a sailboat. Now, you'll just have to kind of use your imagination with me just a little bit. So he got on this sailboat and he sailed on the seas to try to find God. But you know, no matter where he looked at on the ocean, he couldn't find God. So he decided to uh, get out of the boat and go onto some land then. And maybe if he climbed up to the very top of the mountain, maybe that's where God was. And maybe he could see God from there. But you know, whenever he climbed up to the top of a mountain, he still couldn't find God there. So he decided that he was going to go even higher than the mountains. He was going to go into the sky, into the, the heavens. You know, sometimes we call it that. And so what he did was he got inside of an airplane. Obviously, this is just a paper airplane. But see, he got inside of an airplane and he flew around looking for God. But you know what? He still didn't find God, but he was, he was determined to find God. So what he did was then he got into a rocket ship and now he, he thought, well, surely if I go high enough, I can find God. So he got inside of the, this rocket ship and he went up and he, he went into outer space in search of God and he still didn't see him there, but just like this parable reminds us that God was in the, the midst of this, this seed that was, that was growing. You know, whether this man in the parable, whether he slept or whether uh, he was awake, uh, the seed, it was growing. And he doesn't know how. Well, the man that was searching for God, he couldn't find him. But one thing he needed to learn was that the Lord was always in his midst everywhere that he went. And see, this turns into a cross that reminds us of Jesus because the man whenever he went sailing you know the Lord was with him there whenever he climbed up onto a mountaintop God's presence is still there whenever he flew in an airplane or whenever he got into outer space the Lord is still there he's he's always among us and he's always with us and that's especially true for those of us who are Christians that the Lord has actually promised that he's never going to leave us he's never going to forsake us it might feel pretty rough and we might not see God, but that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to go in search of physically being able to see God, but we know that he is there. We know that he is present. You know, the apostle Paul, he understood uh, this, um, uh, this thing very well as well. He understood his own position and he understood the position of God. That's why we can turn to the pages of 1 Corinthians 3 and read this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, the Apostle Paul, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. That's how the Apostle Paul, he spoke about it. He said, you know, look, I'm just kind of serving God. God is the one who causes everything to grow. That's true physically speaking. That's also true spiritually speaking. And the parable that Jesus used from Mark 4 is just like what, what the Apostle Paul is using right here. He uses this as an example, something that we can learn from, something uh, that we can learn about the nature of God and our part in, in working with him. But most importantly... That it's God who makes things grow. It's not you. It's not me. 
We can maybe have limited impact on, you know, our own personal growth. Yes, okay. But God is the one who truly makes the church to grow. God is, is the one who truly actually even allows us to grow. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, we might like to think that, you know, we can, we can help ourselves grow and we can do things that promote growth. But really the Lord is the one who, who helps and to make things grow. Uh, let's go back to Mark chapter 4 again and let's see another similar parable there. This is just uh, the, uh, the verses right after where we, where we left off. Again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. See, right here in Mark 4, verses 30 through 34, we see this is how, how Jesus was preaching at this time. He was using these, these images that would teach those people who truly wanted to dive down deep and to, to understand what God was doing in their midst, to understand what Jesus was doing in their midst. Jesus was explaining that the kingdom of God can be described in many different ways. One of them is it's a growing plant. What he uses here is a mustard seed. A mustard seed is such a small seed, but whenever you plant it, it grows into something really big. Obviously, a mustard seed isn't the only seed that he could have used to kind of speak about that. Almost any seed, it starts off something really small and it grows into something huge. It's amazing. Well, it can teach us how the growth that God can cause among Christians and among the church. God is the one who makes the mustard seed grow. God is the one who produces the growth within us as a church. He's the reason why just Jesus was able to choose, you know, 12 disciples and it just kind of exploded into thousands upon thousands of people believing in the Lord and following the Lord. And now we see that, you know, it's, it's even grown even more hundreds of thousands. You know, millions of people have uh, been following the Lord since the time that Jesus walked on this earth. And all of it started off real small, started off real slow, so it might have seemed. But whenever it started off, God is the one that caused that growth. And we see that growth in the church throughout the world. We see this mustard seed is, is used as an example that even though it could be something so small, something that, you know, a bird could actually even eat, you know, because whenever you feed birds uh, bird seed, it's they're just eating all different types of seeds. But if those seeds could be planted, then they could grow into a tree or into at least some type of big bush that the birds themselves could sit in its shade and perch in its shade. It's just kind of an interesting idea to see that growth. And it's not by accident that Jesus uses these as examples to teach people of his day about the growth that God can cause among us who are following the Lord every day. That's the lessons that Jesus wanted his audience to understand. And I would say, for the most part, it's the same lessons that we need to understand today. That's because God has used similar parables just like this one, uh, even in the Old Testament, Let's turn and let's look at one of those uh, parables that you'll notice several similarities to these two that we've looked at in Mark. You'll notice some in this in Ezekiel chapter 17. 
Ezekiel chapter 17, verses 22 through 24. Now, I'm not going to get into much about the history of what all this means. You can look at the surrounding verses of this chapter and be able to find out exactly what God is, is stating in this. But this is a parable that is communicating something during the days of Ezekiel. And this is what this part of the parable, so to speak, uh, is about. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. Now, I said I wasn't going to get into the history, and I'm not. But one thing I do just want to state is that from a physical perspective, yeah, God is the one that causes all these things. He's able to make something that looks dead come to life. He's able to make something that looks alive shrivel up. God is the one who is in control. He's in control of this growth. Now, specifically, he's not really talking about plants, even though that's exactly what he's talking about in Ezekiel 17. These are used as symbols. This is a parable. He's talking about kings and kingdoms. And what I would say is he's actually talking about his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one that's going to bring all of these things about. But we won't get into all of those things. Within this parable, though, we see that the Lord says, I myself am going to do these things. He says that in verse 22. That's so important to understand. This is the Lord's doing. The Lord is at work. He uses in verse 23. He uses this example about birds of every kind are going to nest in this tree that the Lord has set up, that the Lord has caused to grow. Isn't that very similar to the language that's used in the mustard seed? I don't think that's an accident. I believe it's supposed to remind readers of this passage and others where God is speaking about making a, a tree grow, that birds of every kind are going to be able to take shelter underneath it. The birds will be able to nest in it, just like the mustard seed parable. Now, we see here in verse 24 that they were being called to understand it's the Lord who is working in their midst. They needed to know and to accept that this is the Lord's work. The Lord is the one who produces growth. The kingdom of God, what God wants on earth, the kingdom of God, it is like a growing plant. So, I kind of want to turn this question to us today. You know, are we going to know and accept the Lord's work? Are you going to know and accept the Lord's work in your own life? What about in the work of the church causing it to grow? What about the Lord's work among the entire world? Well, I can assure you the Lord is working among us and he is the one who causes growth. He's always in our midst. We just need to know it and to accept it, and to serve Him. Turn to me with